The Trouble with Transformation, a serialised podcast by Alison Wick. Chapter 18. The Boy Who Formerly Smelt of Beer. I don't know how it happened, how Sean and I ended up having lunch every day that week. Maybe I was lonely. Or desperate. With Danny and the twins away, and Brian in detention, I'd been on my own for the first time in ages. What's the big deal? I thought on Monday, when he shyly came over to join me. People have got better things to gossip about than who sits together at lunch. But I was lying to myself. If I'd learned one thing from toppling Kim Christensen, it was this. There are always people waiting in the wings, ready for the fall. Ready to take your place in an instant. Isn't that what I did? No, I like to tell myself. It was an accident. I hadn't aspired to be like Kim. If she hadn't made my life such a misery, I wouldn't have gone near her. I wouldn't have teamed up with Brian. But then what did that make me? A pawn? A stooge? At the end of the day, was I any better off than I had been under Kim? Hadn't I just swapped one tyrant for another? At least before all of this I'd been Ginger Jones, and not some concocted version of myself. Regardless of my beginnings, one thing was clear. It was only a matter of time before someone dobbed me into Brian. My bet was on Meg Manchester. She'd been sniffing around at our heels a lot lately. Maybe she'd done it already. But then Brian and I had been messaging back and forth that week. Surely he would have said something. He wasn't exactly one to hold back. Maybe I was off the hook. Or maybe I was about to be royally stuffed. It was too much. I had enough problems with your malodorous machine. I couldn't be getting myself into drama over an old friend with a former pungency problem. I had to nip this in the bud. But cutting Sean off was easier said than done. My ribs ached just thinking about how much I'd laughed that week. After all the stuff that had gone down lately, the notes, creepy people, parents coming back from the dead, I'd needed that. If we'd munched our sandwiches in strained silence, that would have been one thing. But, oh, but he had to go. There was enough madness in my life already without getting Brian offside. I would end it with Brian. At some point. Gently. Carefully. Now was not the time. Today was Friday. On Monday, Brian, the twins, would be back. Danny too. Not that I worried so much about him. I'd tell Sean that things had to go back to the way they were before. It wasn't him. It was me. My problem. I'd do it today. Later. Once Sean finished his lunch, he'd take the news better on a full stomach. I decided to walk down to the message tree and eat by myself. There was no sense in giving Sean mixed messages. Besides, I'd been meaning to visit the tree and take care of some unfinished business. 
the Ginger Jones is fatter message was still there. With the school practically empty due to sport camp, it was the perfect time to scrub it out. No witnesses. Ten minutes later, mission accomplished. I was passing by the girls' toilets on my way to Sean when the loudspeaker system chimed do re me. It was an announcement from Principal Bly. Today I have the privilege of sharing some very special news. Bly's voice boomed through the loudspeaker. In addition to being recognised in the sporting field, our school has excelled in the scientific arena. I'm pleased to announce that both of our regional science fair entries have been selected to attend the state finals at the Brisbane Exhibition Centre in two months' time. Please congratulate Daniel Costa and Elizabeth Jansen when you see them. Woohoo! Go Danny! I shouted to no one. The place really was bare. I tuned into the rest of Bly's message. The finals will be televised on ABC3 and the school would like a strong crowd presence to support our representatives. We have a number of tickets available and a bus travelling down to Brisbane. School uniform will be a mandatory condition for attendance. Please see Mrs Bumble if you're interested. The bells chimed again. Residual feedback crackled through the loudspeaker, then silence. Absolute silence. Which was odd. As I stepped into the main quadrangle, a bead of sweat trickled between my shoulder blades, sending a shiver down my back. Something was wrong. The entire schoolyard teetered on a held breath. There was no background hum of chatter, no rhythmic pock of a tennis ball against a wall. Nothing. Surely the state science fair finals weren't that big of a deal. But then I saw them. Brian with a new improved slingshot, elastic band pulled taut, reinforced foil pie case loaded and locked. His lip curled in a snarl, no trace of sleeping baby cuteness. And Sean, poor Sean, standing on the edge of the quad, frozen mid-stride as if playing a game of statues. No, I cried, and then I was running across the asphalt. Too late. Brian loosed his first volley. With an air-displacing whoosh, the missile hurtled towards Sean, landing with a blue splat right at his feet. He stared at the bright splotch on the concrete, temporarily mesmerised by the violent statement of sapphire blue against grey. Then he came to his senses and ran. The next pellet struck true, and with a tiny explosion, shiny red paint spattered across Sean's white school shirt. Score! Brian yelled. Sean took two more hits before I reached him. My gaze locked with Brian's. His eyes popped wide for a moment, then narrowed. Slowly, purposefully, he reloaded and fired. The next projectile almost caught me, whizzing past my ear, hair ruffling as it whipped by. A quick succession of pellets plundered the air and connected with the ground, flicking globs of paint this way and that. The melting plastic waft of acrylic assaulted my nostrils. Come on! I dragged Sean by the elbow. He ducked his head, drawing his hands protectively to his face as we bolted across the quadrangle. 
We were almost to the other side of the quad when the pinging against the cement sounded further and further behind. I latched onto the handrail at the foot of the girls' toilets and sank down against the brickwork. Sean bent double, his breath coming in laboured gasps. Voices carried across the tarmac, jeers, catcalls. Shut up, I shouted, turning on the onlookers. Show's over. A couple of voices less brave than before called out, but the majority went back to their handball games, their group chats, the canteen line. I returned my attention to Sean and was nearly struck blind by the violent clash of colour across his shirt. Oh, looks like you've been attacked by a psychotic rainbow-wielding unicorn. Let's get you cleaned up. I hoisted myself up and mounted the toilet steps, motioning for Sean to follow. He hesitated. These are the girls' toilets, he said. Have you seen yourself? I said, cocking an eyebrow. I think we're way past the dignity stage. Sean shrugged and followed me up the stairs. There were a couple of seventh graders at the sink. Clear out, I ordered. The seventh graders cleared out. Sean's trembling fingers wrestled with the buttons on his shirt. Oh, for goodness sake, let me do that. I had the shirt off in no time, peeling it from Sean's skin where the paint had seeped through. It was a bit weird seeing him like this, bare-skinned and up close. He was thin, but not scrawny. He glanced at me pink-faced and nervous-eyed. I grimaced. Orko. We laughed, relaxing a little. I spread the shirt out on the aluminium water trough where the girls had just washed their hands. Sean scrubbed out the stains as best he could. When he put it back on, it was still wet, but the hot breeze instantly went to work, greedily sucking at the moisture from his skin and shirt. When we stepped outside, Brian was waiting, arms folded across his chest, eyes narrowed like drawn blinds. So this is what you get up to behind my back, he said, taking a menacing step toward us. I stepped forward, closing the gap. I was at least 20 centimetres shorter than him, but I wasn't about to let Brian psych me out. Behind your back? I'm not one of your motocross trophies, Brian, I said. Anyway, aren't you supposed to be in detention? They let me off. Good behaviour, Brian sneered. Good thing too. Now I know the truth. Yeah, what's that? My eyes flicked back to Sean. He was stood behind my shoulder, eyeing us nervously, shifting from foot to foot. It's okay, I mouthed. That old saying is spot on, Brian replied. Once a loser, always a loser. At least it's better than being pathetic. I rose onto my tiptoe so I was practically nose to nose with Brian. I looked him squarely in the eye. We're finished, Brian. I've outgrown you. And that's when he lost it. Finished, Brian bellowed a feverish light in his eyes.
You can't break up with me. I made you. Do you know why you're the most popular girl in school? Because you hang out with me. I took Kim Christensen down for you. And guess what? If you cross me, I'll take you down too. You'll be lower than Bo Grady by the time I'm finished. I took a lungful of air, but still my voice vibrated with anger as I said, Save your threats for someone who cares. I don't want to be top dog anymore if it means hanging out with an opportunistic hyena like you. Brian went supernova. His hand shot out, grabbing the collar of my shirt. My toes rose off the ground. Stand tough, my brain ordered, but my body wasn't listening. As his arm pulled back, my windpipe constricted. I winced, bracing for impact. There was a crazed yell, the crunch of bone, then a blood-curdling howl. My hands reached up to my face. Not my bone, not my scream. I opened an eye. Sean stood in front of me, hands bunched into tight fists, swinging them wildly and without aim. Brian let go of my shirt and I fell to the ground. All I could see were red stars spattered across the asphalt in bright, fiery bursts. You broke my nose! Brian accused in a nasal voice, blood spilling over his lips. The eager slap-slap of rubber soles grew louder, and the sing-song chant of, Fight! Fight! danced around our heads. Sean took an unsteady step forward. Stay away from me! Get back! Brian cried. What on earth's going on here? A deep voice cut across the quad. We froze. The crowd of onlookers melted away, leaving me, Brian and Sean to face Mr Robbo. Come on, you lot, he said, sliding between Sean and Brian. We're off to have a chat with Principal Bly. You too, Ginger. Robbo led off with the boys. I followed a few steps behind. Brian looked over his shoulder and drew a finger across his neck. I know it's juvenile, but I couldn't help myself. I poked my tongue at him. By the way, Brian, I said, his name is Sean. And trust me, you'd have been sweating too if you'd come up against his dad. You're drenched like a baby lamb now. Enough, Ginger, Mr Robbo said. We were almost at Principal Bly's office when Meg Manchester scurried up beside Brian. She made a big show of leaning into Whisper, but when she spoke, her voice was deliberately loud. Don't worry, Bry. You're better off without her. Word is, Ginger's getting fatter by the day. And that's when I started to laugh. I laughed so hard, felt as though I might never stop.